Hey everybody, welcome to another episode. This is episode two of the UBEC podcast, the Unholy Brotherhood of the Electric Church. We're coming to you on January 29th, today's Sunday, and we are here to give you your sermon. Hey Will, how was your week this week? Anything to catch us up on? Good, very uneventful, just the way I like it. Uh, nothing too crazy, nothing too wild. I made it through the week. We're starting another one, so I'm happy for that. How about yourself, Chief? Well, that's all we can ask for is getting through another week. Uh, the week itself was pretty good. I mean, I had some crazy thoughts. I mean, I really don't want to get too ranty, you know, but, you know, just su- stupid shower thoughts, man, shit that runs through my head. And some of it just, I don't know, it's winding me up. And like, I was thinking, uh, I mean, do you even want to hear what I've been thinking? Because it's some crazy stuff, man. Uh, yeah, the crazy Okay, so... I was thinking about pandas, man. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) Pandas, dude, like the Chinese pandas and our want to save them. Like, we like feel this. And what what started this was I was at work and this lady sitting there watching like, and it's old video, man. It's, It's old from when the eagles were born down at the National Zoo. And I'm like over her shoulder and I'm like, she wasted an entire day talking about this shit. So I'm like, what are you doing? Like you're wasting, and they do that with like the pandas and shit too, you know? Yeah, yeah, they, so I know it, they do. What are you? You're wasting, and you're working on company time, and you're just sitting there, you know, looking at this fucking panda, dude. Like, first and foremost, <laughs> the pandas don't even give a shit about their own life. Like they sit there and they're eating what's killing them, dude. They're eating nothing but bamboo, right? Like, what happened evolutionary to them where, cause they, their stomach is built for meat and protein, but these dumb shitheads are like, Oh no, we'd rather sit here and eat bamboo. And we don't want to have sex anymore. We don't want to procreate their de- gestation period. So long, probably because of the shit diet that they eat. And I'm no expert. I don't know. I might be wrong. So PETA, if you want to step in, I'm probably not going to listen to you anyway. You're not going to change my fucking opinion, but pandas are stupid. I don't understand. Like, I'm just, I can't, they're fat, lazy. I mean, I'm a big dude, but I mean, I know that, and maybe I eat what kills me a little bit, but I try to be a little healthier from time to time. You know, look, I got diabetes. I try to stay away from fucking sugar. Your whole breed is dying. (laughs) Try to stay away from the goddamn bamboo. (laughs) You know, maybe go eat a fish or something. (laughs) <laughs> you know because that's what all the vegans like to do anyway they want to say they're vegans but they'll still like and there's some hardcore vegans out there that won't touch anything so i'm not talking about them but i'm talking about the vegans they're like oh i'm a vegan you know i only uh, partake in dairy eggs and fish well you're not a fucking vegan what's what a fish is a living being <laughs> you know it's, a, it's not like the right. fuck are you thinking here? Like, mm, I just eat the egg. So you eat the unborn offspring. Like you didn't even give that fucker a chance of life, you know? So that this shit just kind of gets me going, man. And then I started thinking on top of this, because we're talking about extinction, you know, and I'm sure you've seen in the comments on some like bad news articles or something or like climate change and stuff like that, where people are like, Oh, it's humans. It's humans that are destroying the earth. Maybe we're the problem. Maybe we should just go. So you're saying like you're sitting there speaking right now that you would willingly wipe out the entire human race. Or are you just saying 
like there should only be a select few humans and we should, you know, radicalize and, and harshly, you know, project what sustainable populations are. Are you just saying kill everybody? Like it's a stupid conclusion to come to like what's worse. Like beavers destroy ecosystems. Don't they, when they build their dams? Yeah, they do. They, they do a lot of destruction. Yeah. So, I mean, really, are we the only species like, and what happens if a fucking monkey evolves again? Or what happens if a, a giraffe evolves into a smart being? You know, you never know. You're walking around here long necking and shit. That would be the rise of the giants. You got fucking uh, 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 that Bible story uh, with the little stick and stones. Uh, what's his name? David and Goliath. Yeah, you got Goliath. I, imagine how big a Goliath giraffe would be. It'd be monstrous. I mean... <laughs> So this is where my, my head goes. And then I started thinking because we're talking about like, I was thinking like oh all this boy. woke shit. So, and then I started watching this, I was walking, watching this baking show with the kids and stuff and they're talking, they had this segment in this one and I understand her backstory. It's, they always have the sad stories too. Whenever on those TV shows, everybody's yeah. got a sad story and I just, man, it irks me sometimes. Well, this woman sitting around talking about income inequality and all this and that and kids going hungry and people going hungry, kids going to school for sustenance. And it's like, so you're on a baking show like you're blessed anyway, just to be on it. So you're getting your name out there. And then you want to talk about income inequality. What do you do with those cakes when you're done cooking them? The judge said, man, this is the shittiest thing I've ever tasted in my life. So what are you (laughs) doing with the cake? You're throwing the shit in the dumpster. (laughs) <laughs> you want to talk on this platform about wasteful and in- inequality, but then you throw away the goddamn cakes. <laughs> you, know? you got me on. You got me on that one. I'm stumped on that one myself. So this shit just, you know, and I try not to let, I let small things bother me. I'm not going to lie. I try not to let them bother me, but whenever I have these thoughts like this, it just, I get into a fucking tornado of other thoughts and it just, it's good to get it off my chest. So you've been my therapist today. Uh, but that's pretty much how my week's been. Uh, I had some other incidents, but I think we'll, you know, maybe try to save those for later or next time. I mean, there's, there's been some well, the, other situations. The good thing is you, you, you hide it very well, your emotions, you hide them very well. I mean, by that, by that rant, we just got, we couldn't tell that little things bothered you. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> ride in a car with me for about five to ten minutes and you'll start seeing the real. I could probably if I was on like Big Brother or something or, you know, the the movie that uh, Jim Carrey did, whatever it was, Ed TV or whatever. I have cameras all around me at all times. Was uh, that the, just, tru- the, the Truman, Truman show? show. Yeah, yeah. Ed TV. I don't know. I was thinking Ed TV. But uh, yeah, like that, like. You'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? I, I'm already coming up with some. I'm already questioning what's wrong with you right now. So I can imagine after a car ride. But it's some damn pandas, man. That's the one that really gets my goat, man. It just. Why are you eating that bamboo? <laughs> and we're so set on saving them. They have literally no impact to any ecology, really. I mean, there's literally like 1,800 left in the entire world. How much of an impact is it going to have whenever they die? Now, the bees, maybe we should consider saving some bees. Yeah. Maybe we take that money that we're spending on the fucking pandas and we transfer it over to the bees. That's a good (laughs) answer, in my opinion. 
Yeah, we're trying to save an animal that just has a great time off in itself. You know, it's it's tough. Yeah, exactly. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, so in other segments we have, I, I really don't know where to go after that rant. I mean, it just, <laughs> it's still, it's still, there's, there's the train running around in my head now just with the pandas. I'm telling you, man, they make me see red. Not the red pandas either, the big giant panda. Yeah, the real ones. Yeah, the ones that are so cute and are on the WWF logo. Yeah, yep. Mm -hmm. I know. I know what you're talking about. They want to beg for money. (laughs) Fuck those little begging pandas. Well, and then they blame it on, uh, you know, deforestation is the reason the pandas are dying. No, they're dying because their gut is set up for a specific fucking diet and they're eating bamboo. Yeah, we're cutting the bamboo down, but if the dumb assholes would eat meat, Maybe we wouldn't have to worry about the bamboo forest. I uh, see you get me going again, man. I'm I'm telling you, I don't want right. to do this, but I didn't I didn't intend on that, man. I didn't. <laughs> These damn pandas, dude. I'm not I'm not stoking this fire, Bubba. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> You're just looking at me, and I can see it. You're just like, how far am I going to let him go with these pandas? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> he just he's really having a hard time with this and you're just like maybe this is something that he needs to get off his chest maybe i should th- see a therapist about these pandas dude it might help it might it help might. i should tell him my deepest darkest desires about pandas and how i'd wish they'd just go extinct already uh, i'd wait till your second session before you start getting too deep but yeah i mean you might get there eventually get in there and get to know him first and then drop the ball or the hammer and then decide whether he wants to keep you as a patient or not. Yeah, w- whether he would ethically and morally want to keep me as a patient. <laughs> That's some Charles Manson shit, man. <laughs> this guy's fucked. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, man, we've been binging uh, Pawn Stars this week, man. You got you really got me on a kick, man. I used to watch it all the time, you know, back in the day, and uh, thought I'd seen everything. And then you go back and rewatch episodes, so. I think it's time for us to to pick some pawn stars, man, and and see see the scenarios that you have lined up for us this week. Well, true or false? I mean, if you grew up in the same time that we grew up, and you were a South County white boy, I'm sorry, but you religiously watched Pawn Stars and probably Pickers and you know all the other ones. But Pawn Stars, I mean, true or false? mom or dad or whoever it was on tv all the time like you couldn't get away from it didn't that kind of start like the history channel kind of lean into like reality? yeah that was when history went from history channel went from documentary style shows to more of their reality style shows and buddy they took that ball and ran with it because i haven't seen documentary stuff besides ancient aliens on there in years man yeah, and I mean that's where you know, and that that was like Pawn Stars. That's why it was a breath of fresh air because I like all the old stuff, like the World War II stuff. I would sit and watch like World War II in color, Vietnam in color. Sit yeah. there and watch like modern Marvels and all that. And then so when Pawn Stars came along, it was like a breath of fresh air. I was like, man, sure. this is cool. And they're actually still talking about history and stuff, you know. But it's like you get a unique take on it. You get a modern opinion on historical artifacts which is really cool you know and that's why i enjoy it 
and it, and it just you. doesn't go in like to like actual history it goes into like pop history and things of that nature so that's why i always man i was like this show is cool as shit it covers all areas of history right i agree so, well, if uh, for those of you out there that aren't familiar, uh, Pawn Stars was a show on the History Channel back in the early to mid-2000s, ran for God knows how many seasons. I think, shit, I think well over 11, maybe 20 seasons. Um, it's based on a family-owned pawn shop uh, ran by Rick Harrison, who's pretty much you know the lead guy in the show. Uh, and he's got his son working there, Corey, Big Hoss. I said uh, Justin or Brandon, but it's, it's Corey. We found out after binging about 200 episodes. And uh, his father, uh, they call him Pops, and he's he's passed away now. And then the fourth one is Chumley, who's everybody's favorite. He's like the shop knucklehead. <clears throat> and uh, people just bring in stuff, and they pretty much appraise it and decide whether they want to buy it or not. And you always get a little bit of insight on the product. So – we're fans of the show. Um, we, as much as we make fun of them, we love the show too. But uh, our segment on here we do from week to week is pick your pawn stars. So we're going to list three separate scenarios and I'm going to present them to Dustin, but you guys at home, feel free to throw your answers down in the comment section as well. Cause we'd love to hear them. This week's going to be a little bit different. Okay. This week we're leaving out Rick. All right. Are you cool with that? We're leaving Rick out. We're leaving Rick out of all three. Okay. He's he's normally the go-to, so I can understand why you do that. Let's get creative with it a little bit because I'd pick Rick for just about any scenario if I'm being exactly. honest. Exactly. Come on, man. I mean, groupies want the lead singer. Let's be honest. Rick's the lead singer. It's hard to pick somebody over the front, man. And Rick's the most sensible out of all four of them, true or false. No, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's the most grounded, even out of Pops. I mean, Pops had his little – uh, you know, he was a pretty eccentric guy, so yeah, yeah, I think Rick is. Yeah, I agree with that. He's the most sensible. Pops gets a little wild too sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he actually liked Chum Lee's wine. <laughs> yeah, well, that what does that tell you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so Dustin, for scenario number one, um, you decided to Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, pretty similar to this, and you decide you want to skydive. Okay, and you're going to a professional skydiving school, and you're not even going to go to the school. You're just going to jump, okay? And you know how that works, all right? When you jump, you got the guy that knows what he's doing strapped to your back, right? You've seen that. Yeah. Okay. All right, so the scenario is you're getting ready to jump off the plane. You have the instructor strapped to your back. You guys are getting ready to jump at the highest altitude, you can pick one of the three remaining pawn stars, not Rick, but the other three to be the guy strapped to your back as your instructor. Who do you pick and why? Oh, man, it might kill him, but I'm going with pops on that one. Cause he was a military man. And maybe he has some experience that he didn't talk about. We all know he liked talking about his experiences, but you know, maybe he missed one and I, Cause I just don't, I definitely don't trust chum chum Lee would not be behind me controlling anything, uh, you know, when my life's in jeopardy. So, I mean, yeah, it would definitely have to be pops. A close second would be Corey just because if we're talking circle, like now Corey, like current Corey, yeah. I'd, I'd take Corey too. 
uh, now just because he's probably jumped out of a couple planes. He looks like he's kind of a thrill seeker. But uh, yeah, before I, I would take Pops as my my definite first choice, just because he's cool and collected under pressure, and I think he would uh, make sure that we landed safely. Yo, even if it kills him. Shout out to Corey though, man. From watching season one to then going to season eleven on Hulu, Corey lost like what over a hundred pounds from oh, from yeah. then. I'd say as big as he was, he was probably pushing three fifty. Yeah. So he might even have lost, you know, 150, maybe even two. Well, no, not 200. I don't think he's 150, but yeah, he's probably about 200 pounds right now Two, maybe 225. I don't know exactly how tall he is, but yeah, man, he's lost a Rick's lost weight and chum. They've all lost some good weight, you know? And yeah, even, even chum looks pretty good now, you know, they've better than me. They're all smaller than me. So, but yeah, they were some big dudes. Yeah, shout out to Big Hoss on that one, man. I, I think I, out of all of them, I definitely see the most dramatic weight loss <laughs> on, on him, you know? Yeah, now he wants to be a, a wish version of Jax Teller, you know, from Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> he's out there riding choppers. Yeah. Man, he's probably got about 10 wives by now, you know? Dude, His dude mom keeps he... killing them all. <laughs> <laughs> the dude, dude thinks he's a Redwood original now. <laughs> definitely does man thinks he's a, a man of mayhem <laughs> all right well, we'll, sh- we'll move on to the next one okay this is going to be another interesting one once again no rick all right so you have the remaining three to pick from <clears throat> uh dustin picture this and let's hope this doesn't ever happen you get sent to x amount of years in prison i mean we're talking you're going to be doing some long time all right in this prison you have one other cellmate, okay? And this other cellmate is going to be doing as much time as you are. So you guys are going to be strapped, locked up together. You're probably going to dinner and, and chow hall at the same time, all right? Who do you pick out of the three to be your cellmate for this long period of jail time that you're going to be doing? Well, we just talked about Chum made the wine. I mean, I'm going to have to be drunked up a little bit and and if I'm in lockup. So I'm taking Chum all the way on this one. I think he's a pretty good negotiator because he kind of plays the clown a little bit. So I think we could get over on some, you know, getting some free soups for a couple scoops of coffee. You know, I think he's got that game down. Uh, I think we could have fun. I think he's he's lighthearted so I could pick on him and he wouldn't know any better and he'd just go with the flow. I think it it would make my time go a lot easier if I had Chum in there. And I don't know, man. Dude might be packing. He might have that uh, you know, Dumbo strength where, you know, he's just an idiot savant and but he's really strong. And maybe he's protecting me, you know. Yeah, there you go. Dude walks up to me and here comes Chum just with a tray of food and smashes dude, just like and I smash, you know. <laughs> like the dude with the hatchet. You know, he the just ha- comes in out of nowhere, the hatchet wielding h- hitchhiker, you know? Kai the hitchhiker. Yeah, so I think I'm going with – I think that's a safe bet, too. I don't think I want Corey. Corey's lived a life of more or less privilege. Um, you know, him and Chum were friends, so we don't really know much about Chum's backstory, but I could say he's probably like an average citizen like us, you know. Uh, didn't didn't have any special handouts or anything. Uh, and Pops is just too old. I mean, if I took Pops in his prime Navy days, you know, we'd be talking a different discussion, but, you know, I don't want to have to be taking care of changing those shitty diapers in the pen. (laughs) 
Uh, you know what, Big Hoss, man, he he seem, he seems like such a a pompous dick sometimes. I really feel like he'd be the guy that that would get you stuck in prison. You know what I mean? You you'd get you'd walk out there and think you're gonna get ready to start lifting weights, and before you know it, you'd be getting stuck by you know three or four guys down to the ground bleeding. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't take him into prison with me. It's not a safe think, call. I'd probably have to go with Chum too. I think Chum would probably be the most fun in there because yeah, you got to keep things lighthearted. And although he's kind of silly, it might not be that bad, you know, with somebody like him. Well, it's like I said, we've seen him make that wine. You got you hooch. Know? So yeah, definitely, we could start a racket on that too. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Get a couple, make a couple ramen noodles off of the deal, some stamps. Hell yeah. yeah. We'd be in there. We'd be the distributors. We'd be the Jim Beam of, you know, uh, Allegheny Correctional Facility. The Evan Williams. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right. Last and final one. And this is going to be a tough one, man. It really is. Uh, the house down the street is on fire. Okay. And it's a blazing fire. All right. You know that you can get in there and you got enough time to save one person. Unfortunately, there's three people in that house, okay? Chumley, Pops, and Big Hoss. Dustin, you going in that house, you're knocking the door down. Who do you save? First and foremost, let's just say I'm no firefighter. So just for the sake of being realistic, I'm not going in at all. But if I had to, I would go in and I would save... Corey. You'd save Hoss. Yeah, I'd save Corey. He's the eventual owner of the pawn shop. He would be indebted to his for his life to me. Uh, and I would look at it as a purely strategic move to ensure my future financial success in life. It's a pretty narcissistic way to look at it, but I'm being totally honest. If I have to run into a burning house, I'm doing it for some kind of gain. Outside of my family or my like close friends, I'm not running into a house burning for anybody, you know? So okay. I, I, if I do it for someone that I don't know, even though I like him, you know, I like his show I'm doing it for someone that could help set me up. I'm going to hold him to it too. I'm telling him, remember that house that you were in that was a blaze and I ran in no fear of myself and saved your life. Now you can help save my life. I need a new podcast studio, bro. I need a new car. What are you giving? <sighs> it's kind of a fucked up way to look at it, but it's the truth. That's pretty fucked up. Would you rather die? <laughs> From the goodness no. of my heart. I like honesty. I'll go in and save all three of them. That's what someone would say. I I would sacrifice my life if it meant that three more lives would live. No, you wouldn't, you dumbass. You're lying. You can only save one in this scenario. Yeah, but there's people out there who'd be like, I eh, would save them all because I'm Superman. Uh, all right, you'd save... You'd save Hoss. Me, I'd I'd have to save Pops, man. You know, he's a veteran. I just feel like I feel like the man needs uh, he would need it more. You know, if Chum and them they can't get out of that house, you know, Pops ain't gonna be able to get out of that house, man. You know, so I'd I'd probably go I'd probably go with Pops. He's got one foot in the grave already, dude. Well, I'm gonna help pull him at least the other one out. Well. <laughs> I respect your prerogative. On that. <laughs> Don't necessarily agree, but I that's my per- it. that's my prerogative. Like the '90s song, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we got those. Man, there's some good scenarios, dude. Yeah, and you know what? Once again, shout out to Pawn Stars, man. We make a lot of jokes about them, but we love the show. Uh, you can find, I think, three or four seasons. And the first season, which is one of the best on Hulu right now, and then uh, Freevee, the, the free streaming app, which is on most uh, smart devices now. I know it's on Amazon Fire Stick. They're on a marathon on Sunday. So shout out to Pawn Stars, man. Shout out to Rick the God, you know. Yeah, and I think uh, if you have like Amazon Prime or if you have Discovery Plus or if you have the Discovery Plus add-on on anything, I think they're on there as well because there's yeah. certain shows that A&E like bought or I don't know, maybe A&E owns history, but so it's multiple ways you can view the show, you know. Right, so right. Definitely go check it out, man. You're missing out. If you've never watched it, you, you're you definitely missing out. You got to see it, man. And, and, and once again, Rick is always – an unholy saint or well a holy saint in our church so uh when you go when you come into our church there's going to be a picture of rick just be ready for it yeah i think that rick actually he supersedes i think we just made him like an archangel he's kind of like michael he's up there chilling with michael yeah and all them yeah he's our archangel so hell yeah our holy saint yeah and, and then he's got his saints below him you know pops chum and Hoss, they're his saints that go out and do his bidding and bringing good to the world. So they're his angels. They are. Yep. They're, they're his disciples, I guess. Disciples of Rick. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to say it right now. What do you think? I think Rick's the holy saint of the week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I, I, I've read articles about him being a good guy. He gives away to charity. I don't know many specifics just because I don't like jot it down and it's not something that I need to remember, but he is good with the community. You know, he does a lot of good for people. I've seen some deals that he's done, you know, pawning on the pawn side and people like to, you know, clown on pawn shops, but I mean, it's a way for people that are underprivileged and maybe don't have the credit to get some money. And he's, he's taken some risks on people, you know, like any pawn shop does. So I think as a whole, he's brought light to the whole pawn industry. I mean, I'm sure you still have some sharks out there and stuff, but as a whole, the reputable pawn businesses, you know, he's done a lot for that, you know, to help a lot of underserved people that maybe couldn't, couldn't go get a credit card or something like that. So right. Definitely. Holy Saint, man. Definitely. He is a long time Holy Saint. It, uh, has that been, brings... it has been declared Holy Saint of the Week, Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars. So we're going to get into the unholy saints next. And uh, we're all in this story right now. Everybody's seen it. Um, it's unfortunate. I really don't like giving a platform, so I don't know their names, and I'm not going to talk about them individually. We're just going to say the five police in Memphis that were in the Scorpion unit. Uh, I think they're there. The, they've definitely earned that title of unholy saints. Uh, if you've watched the video, we're not going to show it on here. It is pretty graphic. Um, regardless of your views on any other cases, this isn't what it's about. And, you know, we're not sharing any opinion on police departments or police brutality. They're good cops. There's bad cops, just like there's a good cashier and a bad cashier all the way down to the bottom, you know, so, but you, you can't condone what they did and they definitely have deserved the unholy saint title. And I hope that they rot in hell. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad what they did. That was a, a gang thug beating. Do you agree? Agreed. Oh, absolutely. Definitely the unholy saints of the weeks. Pieces of shit in my book. Definitely. I just, you hate to see, you know, even if he was doing something wrong, you know, 
part of the American way is that you're guilt or prove or innocent until guilt or proven guilty. You know, and a lot of times in this country, across all uh, race gaps, you're guilty until proven innocent. Now, I'm not going to say wealth gaps because wealth gaps, if you're a super wealthy person, man, you can pay that bond like that and you're out and you can afford the best defense, you know, so definitely there is a socioeconomic factor to how you're policed and these guys are just, they use their power behind that badge to brutally beat someone and kill someone, whether he did anything or not is irrelevant. You know, if he was, didn't have a weapon, even if he was resisting, you don't kill someone. So. So pretty, pretty heavy, heavy topic, but I, f- I feel that we do owe it to, to the kid, uh, Tyre, however you say his name, I don't want to butcher, butcher it, but you know, we owe it to him and his family to at least bring it up and put them on our shit box list of unholy saints. They're just five disgusting human beings. And we, uh, we have a new person or a new, a new, uh, uh, title for someone. It's someone that's in purgatory. So They've done something that's kind of bad, but not really bad. They're generally a good person. And our our guy that's in purgatory right now, he's a local hero to many. Uh, when the crazy horse was in town, he uh, often dined at that fine establishment. <laughs> uh, I think he had a commercial about their expansive menu. And uh, I think it's <laughs> we're, we're safe to say that old Lion Loose Galley is in purgatory right now. So... Well, I'm going to get into a little story. I drive a lot for work. So all around industrial neighborhoods, interstates, and I see a lot behind the wheel. I get cut off a lot, just overall dumb drivers. And that's not to say that I'm perfect, but Lion Lou cut me off at a traffic circle the other day and it pissed me off because you <laughs> yield to the left and he just burned through. He almost hit me, almost hit me. And he looked at me like, and I'm like, I said, that's fucking loose galley. I said, you know what? You can't tell the goddamn weather and you can't drive either. And he couldn't hear me, but I wish he could have. So, I mean, it's just that one, man, lion Lou, lion, not driving Lou. I mean, they even have an alley, Loose Galley Alley, out in North Hagerstown, named after him. So I know that he's 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 a a, a beloved figure, but damn man, you got to be safe behind the wheel of the car. And I think that the two ways that you can get out of purgatory is either you learn how to drive, or you surrender your license, or you get back on the TV. You get back on WDVM here in Maryland and in our small little community, and you give us some good weather forecasting you you get on there and you get you be right for once you don't tell us we're getting a blizzard and it's 50 degrees you don't tell us that it's going to be 75 degrees in april and it's 20 degrees with a wind chill of two you know yeah. those are the two saving graces for you mr lou you lying piece of crap you man and like i said he is a great guy he's a i've met him and he is a super nice guy but there are two things that really drag you down with my book and that's driving ability and not being able to tell the weather. We talk about the weather every day. I mean, yeah, that's, a, and everybody likes to laugh about it, but it's a main topic of conversation through coworkers and everybody. We all, Hey, it's going to be warm tomorrow. We all bring it up. So if you're giving us bad information, we say, Hey, you know, I was watching the news this morning. Lou said it was going to be sunny tomorrow and it ends up, you know, raining cats and dogs. We look like the asshole then. 
<laughs> so you're responsible for us. You know, you've got a commitment and a responsibility <laughs> to the public to tell the truth whenever you're talking about weather. It affects us all. It does. I need to know whether I need to wear a jacket. You know, I got kids, man. I got kids. I need Agreed. to know whether they need an umbrella or, if, you know, what's going on. You want my kids showing up to school soaking wet, smelling like a, a wet dog? That's a good point. They come home with pneumonia. You're going to pay my insurance bill? You know, <laughs> let's get it right. Weather people all across the board, but definitely you lose gal. You have a shot of redemption. So let's see. You don't have to come back full time. We just need a special guest like once a month. Tell us the weather outlook. And and that's what's going to be, what's going to pull that man out of purgatory in, in your book and your, in brings, your eyes. If he brings the crazy horse back a red horse, whatever that diner was, you remember that place up there. On yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hell if, yeah. If, if he brings that back, and they actually have some decent food. I'd give them a shot at that. I don't want some alligator tail or something like that. You know, I'd, I'd eat some of that and go in there. And But he'd have to have din dinner with us and be a guest on the podcast, too. Oh, that'd be so cool. We'd do a live podcast episode at the restaurant, eating dinner with Lion Lou. That'd be so cool. Eating some filet mignons with, I don't even like it, but I'd eat it with him. Crab legs and shrimp. Get us some uh, octopus. Get us some, you know, calamari because that shit's delicious. I went. I was at a church uh, function, a church breakfast, and he he and his wife were there. So I technically have had breakfast with him. Now he didn't eat with me, but he was not real close to me. You know. Yeah, he's not that big of a celebrity. That's some shit you share about. Like if you had, if you ate dinner at the same restaurant as Matthew McC McConaughey at the same time, that's when you say you had dinner with him. No, you were right. just you had breakfast and he was there. You didn't. You didn't. So. You gotta save well, those those levels for other celebrities, because then you could be like, "Yeah, man, I had breakfast with uh, Matthew McConaughey." You didn't have <laughs> breakfast with no loose galley. <laughs> it was, was it there. was technically breakfast. Well, whether it was breakfast, brunch, lunch, dinner, second dinner, uh, snack, you know, whatever it was, because I mean, that's how I eat every day. I get up, I get me a breakfast, little breakfast pieces of something, some kind of pastry, something. I eat my lunch. Come home, I get a snack normally. Then I eat my dinner, sit around for a little while, eat second dinner, and then I eat some snacks while I'm before I'm going to bed. So I don't know what you just could, took me on that tangent, but you could do the uh the Corey Corey Harrison uh the big hoss diet, uh three three meals of crystal methamphetamine and you'll lose a whole person's worth of weight. <laughs> <laughs> I do the Dustin Hutzel diet of diabetes and that's shed me about 12 pounds. This, so <laughs> type two, look at what it can do for you. <laughs> Just drink monsters until you're pissing every 30 seconds and uh, your heart palpitates and your vision goes blurry. And the doctor tells you sugars at 600. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> there you go. <laughs> You'll be like, man, how'd I lose all this weight? I've lost 30 pounds in two months. Yeah, yeah, that's something. <laughs> Maybe my body's eating itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. It's not, but it is. It's funny, you know, so we all laugh at things we shouldn't. So don't go woke or you'll go broke. Laugh at yourself, bro. That my kids fun. got me saying that shit all the time, man. They call me bro. My fucking nine-year-old and the 13-year-old call me bro and shit. What's up, bro? 
They'd be like, did you see that, bro? <laughs> what? I'm your dad. No, bro. And then they'll do it to each other. Bro. Bro. I'm like, will you two shut up with that shit? And they get Eileen doing it. Eileen walk around a little three-year-old ass saying she's perfect. Bro. What's up, bro? Dad, you see that, bro? You want to play dinosaurs, bro? No, you little shit. I want to play dinosaurs with you until you come back correct and say you want to play dinosaurs with me, daddy, and then I'll play some dinosaurs with you. Right. Until then, it ain't going to happen. Right. So what we got, uh, we're going to do some news too. We're going to get into some of the news, national, local. We don't really know. We're just going to tell you the news that's important to us. We don't really care about your thoughts or feelings on it because we like our news. We want to tell you what we think is interesting. And you're going to listen because you think it's interesting to find what we find interesting. Yes, sir. I'm interested in seeing what Willie D came up with for the news. Well, it's been a sort of a big week with news. Um, How about I fire off a couple headlines and you tell me which ones you want to go to first? How does that sound? That sounds good. All right. Number one, uh, published by the New York Post. uh, This was January 18th. I went to a bar that was staffed by robots. They charged me a 10% tip. That That's the title of the article. And it, and it goes a little more in depth. Um, number two, <clears throat> this was four days ago, January 25th. North Korea locks down capital city over a respiratory illness. Uh, this was published by Reuters. Routers. I don't know how you say it. Uh, number three. Uh, this was published by today.com. Uh, I guess it's the same today uh, that NBC is. All right. Um, the FBI investigates fentanyl sales on Snapchat. All right. And then uh, we'll go with number four. This will be the last one <clears throat> posted by insider.com. Ukraine says Russia's putting inflatable tanks on the battlefield, but the decoy is deflated. <laughs> well i think uh, we go again with something that's a little more lighthearted. so let's start with the last i think that's uh it's an interesting thing i mean it's not necessarily unheard of but uh putting deflatable tanks i think back in the day in like world war ii and and things like that when we actually fought wars against countries that had similar uh militaries as ours uh, that was something we did, so it's not totally uncommon. Deflatable, kind of silly, but I guess you'd want it now because we have satellite imaging and all that. Well, we'll go a little more into depth. So uh, a couple of the talking points from this article. Ukraine accused Russia of staging inflatable tank- tanks near Zaporozhia, uh, if that's how you pronounce it, in a Thursday Facebook post, but the Russian decoys unintentionally deflated, according to Russian officials. Russia has employed deceptive warfare for decades, but its recent efforts have apparently fizzled. So it's recent. So they haven't been successful with the decoys. So obviously no. Ukraine got the tip. That's also, I mean, and that's something that us, you know, I say us, we as Americans don't really realize because we're in the middle of nothing. Like it's us, Canada, Mexico, and then you go down to South America. So, I mean, we're not used to having a country right beside us either. So, I mean, who's really given away, like it's a little harder for like espionage and and things like that too. So it could have, I just don't have faith in unless 
we're giving them the satellite information, which isn't, you know, I, I don't think that's un, or unrealistic that we're giving them information, uh, you know, as far as any kind of espionage goes, but they're literally countries right beside each other fighting. Whereas we fight and we fought countries across vast oceans. So it's not like, you know, Himmler was over in Germany and he's like over there. He's like, yeah, I got this snitch, man. He's over there in America, bro. And they're about to uh, drop the H bomb on, on Japan. Well, that happened after the fall of the third Reich anyway, but you know, that conversation wasn't going to happen. I don't think. Whereas like you're Ukraine and there was probably a lot more leaks on the Eastern front during that time of world war two from Germany and, and Russia. So, I mean, it could be like how they find out about it, but it's not uncommon to have a decoy. Like I'd rather have Ukraine waste. Like if I'm a, if I'm a Russian, I'd rather have Ukraine waste bombs that are costly to the Americans and NATO, their true enemy. And you, so you're funding something and you're just blowing up a, a freaking, you know, a, a bounce house more or less. Right. So, yeah, it's a little, little safer. You know, I guess it, it's better to see decoys out there than these, you know, super uh, intricate killing machines just slaughtering people on the battlefield. You know, it's it's, it's are a they lot. saying it like are they saying it as like Russia doesn't have the tanks? No, They're trying I, to project their military as bigger than what it is because we've seen Russia do that a lot in this war too. I think that might have a little bit to do with it. I think what they're doing is they're staging these these tanks almost as a fear tactic or like a fear campaign, you know, for these small Ukrainian villages. Um, It leaves little to detail in the article, uh, but that's kind of what I'm gathering from it. You know? Yeah. News on the, on the whole situation over there is kind of sparse. I mean, I've, I've looked up articles and it's like, you get the same article from every different news organization And it's like, I want different articles. Like, I don't care about what you've talked about. Like, cause that's how a lot of them are. It's like, they'll start the article and say in January or uh, February of 2022. And they'll like, give you the buildup to the war again. It's like, we understand what happened. We know what's been going on. Like what happened yesterday? Right. You know, what's going on with the funding? Like, and that's a lot of things like people, Americans are tired. We're not tired of it, but it's almost like it's being ignored now. It's like, how much money are we going to continue to invest in Ukraine? Like, and my biggest fear, like we're giving them tanks, you know, tanks aren't a defensive uh, part of, of mechanized warfare. That's an offensive weapon. Right. So, I mean, I think that Ukraine is going to, they're going to go back and they're going to try to get the regions that are controlled by Russia Previous to the start of the war, uh, I can't remember the name of it off the top, you know, the area, the little peninsula. Um, but are they going to stop there? You know, do you think that Ukraine might feel emboldened to actually go into Russia? You know, we're sending these weapons to a country that has had a hard time passing NATO standards to join NATO and the UN. You know, so we're, and we're just flippantly giving them weapons. We're giving a country that has a history of corruption and conspiracy weapons of of death you know i understand no one wants to see russia invade anybody either but you know it's like do we pick and it's i guess we had the same conundrum in world war ii 
do we pick the Germans or do we pick Russia? I mean, if you remember correctly, Patton wanted to drive directly. He didn't want to stop. He wanted to go from Germany and go straight into Russia and, and take them out. Right. You know, we, we sit here and we compare Hitler and Stalin, the worst of two evils. I mean, Stalin killed 25 million of his own people. A lot of them were Orthodox Jews, Ukrainian Jews, things like that. So he did the same thing Hitler did. How is he the hero? Yeah, you make a good point there. So, yeah, Ukraine, that's a tricky situation across the board. The tanks, I mean, it's interesting that Russia is using it, but like I said, it's not totally unheard of. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that have aren't hist- into history or, you know, uh, military warfare uh, history. So, I mean, maybe to them, it would be an article of great importance and like, oh, the Russians are using inflatable <laughs> tanks. But I think you and I, you know, we understand what they're doing there. Sure. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, man. The other one, though, that you said, the Snapchat, the fentanyl, man, that's that's pretty wild. That's, you know, because think of the, the, the demographics of the kids on Snapchat. You know, I said it as I said the demographics, but it's the, it's a lot of kids. Well, we can go a little more into depth. Um, <clears throat> this was published on January 26th of this year. Uh, so I guess what? four or five days ago. Um, The article states the FBI is interviewing parents of teens who connected with dealers on Snapchat and died after taking pills with deadly doses of fentanyl. And uh, it doesn't, doesn't say too much more about that. There's a video tied in with the article. That's two minutes long. Um, But, Anybody out there that's listening, you can look this up and watch the full content, but that's kind of the gist of what's going on. Yeah, that's it's wild. I'm I'm kind of looking at it right here. Uh, the FBI and Justice Department are going to investigate uh, Snapchat. Why are you, in, I mean, understood, but there's got to be a level of freedom to say this, you know, at the same time, but uh, Snapchat as investigators have already interviewed parents of children who died. Uh Let's see. Justice Department declined to comment to Forbes and the FBI would neither neither confirm nor deny. But I mean, if that's, you know, the fentanyl epidemic has superseded the opiate epidemic in the country just because you can get it in anything. Right. Yeah. You you go back, buy a bag of weed, you know, off the street and it could have even a trace of fentanyl and it can kill you. I know it's scary shit, man. But I mean, if they're selling capsules, you know, to children that are pure fentanyl and that's the whole thing. It's like their kids, they don't know any better, you know, right. they, what, like, Hey man, you want to, you want to get high? You want to take a little break? You want to, you know, have some fun here, take this capsule. And any, <laughs> any kid. And I mean, we were kids and everybody says this, the old generations always say it was different. But it truly was. I mean, we really didn't have anything out there that was hard enough to really kill us. You know, there were definitely cocaine, heroin. You shouldn't have, you know, especially with heroin, the way people in this area, much less the rest of the country, got addicted to it. But, you know, uh, pharmaceutical companies also bear a hand in that as well. It's not just, you know, kids looking for a high. It wasn't just, you know, potheads turning into junkies. It was athletes that tore a muscle that got prescribed Percocets from their doctor 
And then when those scripts run out, they go and they want to, they're chasing that rabbit, you know? Right. So, but for the fentanyl, man, I really feel for the generation of, of creative and explorative kids out there. Cause I mean, that's, I've done some things in my past, you know, and it wasn't ever about that's what the thing was. It was never about just leaving reality 100%. It was about having fun, having a good time and, you know, having a little party. So I think that's why, like I escaped addiction just because it was never something that I felt that I needed, you know? Right. And these kids, you know, they're coming off one time and they want to party and have a good time. And, you know, here comes their mom and wakes them up or tries to wake them up and they're dead because they overdosed on fentanyl. It's just a sad story all around. Yeah, it is. I agree with you, man. Too much. It happens way too often. You hear those type of stories. And if it, and they would want to blame the cartels and all of this, but I mean, yeah, the, the cartels are making it, but why would they kill their number one customer? It doesn't make sense. Like, is it coming from something else? Right. Like who, who is the main, like they're providing the chemical, but the distribution of it, like that's where the, it's the gray area. Like why you don't, the U S is the biggest, the largest drug market in, in the entire world. So why would you kill your consumer? It just doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense to me either, man. It's, it's probably something it's one of those things i think we'll find more out about like five to ten years from now when there's a documentary on youtube or you know on whatever and we're like oh okay that's why it happened like that you know like these freelance guys uh that go out and you know get deep in like the underworld cultures like the dude that goes out like to the cobalt mines in africa where they use slave labor and Uh, So it's going to be like one of those dirty, gritty, grimy documentaries where this dude sneaks in maybe to the underbelly of the cartel. Man, I wish I had some balls, dude, because I'd do it. Like, but (laughs) I'm not trying to get caught up and die in that, you know, like Uh, I hear that. man. It would be cool. So hats off to those guys. And we're maybe we should find some of these dudes that get these breaking documentaries and and put them in the queue for our holy saints because they bring a lot of information to light, dude, like. Yeah. A lot of things we wouldn't hear about, like even even the Twitter files and everything that's been going on with that with like um, Elon Musk, Matt Taibbi and and all those guys and girls out there breaking that news story. You know, we should applaud those guys. Uh, You know, the the Washington or is it the. Is it the Washington Post or there's one of these that says on the on the header of the actual newspaper, when you go to the website, democracy dies in darkness, but they're the ones that hide their articles, you know. I think Substack and everything, that's where we need to start going for our news. And we need to find some good independent journalists and and get to the news and the truth of the situation, not having these Tim Rollins and people with their opinions. (laughs) All right. All right. We'll, we'll follow up with the very last one to end this segment. Uh, Closed by the New York post, January 18th at one Oh six PM headline. I went to a bar that was staffed by robots they charged me a 10% tip. Uh, a robot-operated bar in Las Vegas pushed back on viral TikTok video complaining about an automatic 10% service charge added to the bill. The lady states, and I quote, I normally wouldn't mind an automatic 10% tip for making my drink, but you're a robot. <clears throat> uh, 
Upton claimed that there was no way to opt out of the charge from the Las Vegas base bar Tipsy Robot, suggesting that he was forced to tip his robot surfers servers. He also claimed that the lack of ice in his drink was due to a broken machine. <laughs> what do you think? What are your thoughts on that one, Dustin? Dude, I wouldn't tip a robot. Like I have a hard enough time. I do it still, but I don't I mean, and like so if I say if I order pizza for a takeout. Or if I'm ordering takeout from a restaurant, say like BJ's or, you know, Olive Garden, where because you know after COVID and everything, they started doing the deliver or the deliveries and takeouts. So if I order something from say Olive Garden, I, I don't even tip them. Sometimes I might leave them the change, but I'm not literally being served. So I mean, right. even for humans, I don't see the the necessity. I, a lot of companies do include gratuities in in the overall charge. Uh, yeah, but tipping a robot that's asinine and my thing with tipping in general because this is something that eats me up too tipping in general okay, we're going so into a rant folks <laughs> just hold on we're going into another rant please stand by it's not going to be full-blown but as a business owner if you own a restaurant with the prices of your menu items the way that they've risen even before the uh, that we got into this inflation nightmare that we're in your prices were still outrageous. So, I mean, if I go to Texas Roadhouse and I want to get a steak and it's $25, I know how much a steak costs, one steak. So you're charging me $25 for a steak, a cheap-ass baked potato, and a pile of, like, Stouffer's mac and cheese. This shit that's frozen that comes in that you get cheap. I work in the food and beverage industry. I know wholesale. So you're charging me costs for that. Plus, you know, you're probably making... 50, 60, maybe even 70% margins on your products. Okay. So you're doing that. So my solution to you is get rid of tipping altogether and maybe pay your employees a fucking livable, livable wage rather than subsidizing that cost to the end consumer. Like does Walmart or uh, Wise or Giant or Martins or Target, Lowe's, do any of them include a tip for your cashier? No, they pay them a certain... And we can argue livable wages, but for the most part, they pay a certain wage that's over minimum wage. A lot of servers get paid shit that's like two, three dollars an hour, and they have to rely on tips. And then the company subsidizes its its uh, 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 and its its guess, which is wrong. But I'm damn sure not tipping the robot. So you better get that piece of ten ten. If you need money that bad, I'll tell you what. Conserve it is a scrapyard in Hagerstown, Maryland. They'll take just about anything. You take that robot into them, you scrap it and get your couple little chump change of 10%, especially if I come in there and I buy one drink for $4, say I get a beer and it gives me a, a Bud Light with for four bucks, which is asinine in itself, but say, so I'm not going to pay 10% on top of that $4 on top of whatever the sales tax is in that, or in that state where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, so right now, what you 10% for the gratuity for a goddamn robot. Then 6%, say, if we're in Maryland for the drink, I'm at 16% now. Plus, whatever your stupid, silly-ass margins are, he's, they're just increasing your profit margins with that 10%. I don't care how much the robot costs you. You shouldn't have went out and bought the son of a bitch. <laughs> I would say uh, the viewers and the listeners out there just were able to hit a double on that one because not only did they get an interesting 
news article, but they got a Dustin rant tied <laughs> along with that one. <laughs> I think most people would agree with that too. You I know, think so too. Pay your employees a livable wage. Right. You know, you got them, they're out there, they're the face of your company. They should actually make a little bit more. Yeah, I think in the in the restaurant industry, you should take care of your cooks and take care of your servers. Yeah. You know, your your uh, what your your person that stands at the front door that greets guests, your greeter, whatever they call them. I don't your host. It's a host hostess, yeah. Or yeah. host. Is that a position you really need? You don't need to pay them a ton. Uh, you get away with minimum wage. You get a little high school kid or college kid in there to do that. Your bus boy, you know, give him the opportunity to work in the kitchen a little bit and help so he can move morph into that position that pays more, but you don't right. really need to pay him that well. It's a hard job. Yeah. But you know, and that's what they say. Well, the tips aren't just for the waitress, man. I know a bunch of waitresses don't share their tips. So. Well, um, let's be on, let, let's be honest. Uh, Here's a message to the food industry, pretty much, you know, mimicking what you said. Stop screwing your workers in the food service industry. Pay them a minimum wage. And in turn, your customers stop getting screwed over because now we don't feel obligated to have to pay, uh, you know, 15 percent, 10 percent, 20 percent. Most places now it's like, come on, guys, get your shit together. Yeah. Even if you have to pay a little bit more for the menu items. Because a lot of companies that do include gratuities in it, they their menu prices are a little bit higher. Right. I understand that because that's cost of labor, cost of goods. You know, it's it's the whole cost of business included in the price of the product. So I understand that. But don't tell me that I have to spend, you know, if I take everybody out to eat and we go somewhere halfway, halfway decent, it's 100, 120 bucks for all of us. And then I have to give you another 20% of that. That's... $22 for your server. I get it. So that's, I'm at 150 bucks going out to eat. Cause I'm not I, like, I do leave and I normally tip over 20% because it's not their fault, but I think as a whole, get shit together. We tip strippers and delivery drivers. Okay. Yeah. And let's be honest. The whole reason you're going out is to show, yourself and your loved ones or whoever you'd want to take out a good time you know why should we get price gouge for that yeah i companies would earn my business if they told me like if they and that's a great marketing ploy for a restaurant look we pay our employees a minimum of 15 dollars an hour you know we make sure that they have good health insurance or decent health insurance access to this you know we give them paid time off you know we have a standard Come, come visit us. I would go see that business, especially if the food was good. Hell yeah. And that's the thing. Pay your employees better. You'll get better production from those employees. Yeah. It goes hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, you have a waitress, say she's worked all day and she's just having a bad day. Hasn't made much on tips and you come in and you kind of get the wrath of that waitress. Cause she knows she's going home. She's worked a 10 hour shift and she's made $25. Because her hourly pay and, you know, maybe she got tipped $5 the whole day. So you get the bad service because she's tired. She wants to go home. She knows she didn't make any money that day. Everybody loses in that scenario. You know, let's change, let's change things. Let's change things. Let's change the world for the waitresses (laughs) and waiters. Let's not leave out the the men. (laughs) Well, you're right. That's all I got. 
um, that's all I got for the news this week. Uh, you know, nothing else too crazy. Yeah, and I think the news stories we go with, see, we're not trying to get you the stuff that you, you turn on Fox News and it just beats you down. Can you see the same news stories every day? We're trying to give you some insightful and interesting news and right. some things that maybe slipped under the cracks that didn't get talked about. And Will is our news curator. It runs in his blood. He does a great job. And uh, I appreciate that segment, and I appreciate the stories. They're very interesting, especially the one about Ukraine. I really went on with that one. I mean, <laughs> but that's one of my interests is, you know, history and then, you know, warfare, like military history. So you probably knew Ooh. that was going to get me. Yeah, you were, you're the same way. You're or similar with that, like with your Vietnam and all that. Sure. So who's your favorite character out of Vietnam era movies, like movies like Platoon? Full Metal Jacket. Who's your favorite character out of those movies? If you have uh, to it's simple. It's Martin Sheen, uh, Apocalypse Now. He was Mart- it was it was fantastic, man. I go with uh Willem Dafoe and Platoon. Yeah, what about uh, what about what did you think of Marlon Brando's uh and him, him and Apocalypse Now. I mean, did you think that was good? Did you like it? Yeah, I just, I'm not, Apocalypse Now gets worn out because everybody, and it's like the first uh, part of the series whenever they're in boot camp and everything and like, uh, what's what's its name? Um, Gomer Pyle and all that. Oh, you're thinking of Full Metal Jacket. Oh yeah, I am. Man, I get them mixed up. I get them mixed up. Sorry, that's my bad. All good. He does a good job. Marlon Brando's a classic actor. So, I mean, the, what's not to love about him? He could pretty much do any role. So, you know, from a pure acting standpoint, Marlon Brando's the man. Apocalypse Now. How did I get those mixed up? It's easy to do, man. They all are gritty, though. They're gritty and grimy, and they all have the same kind of feel. Even Rambo, like... Other than Rambo, just like after the first one, it goes extreme. And that's not even a real Vietnam movie. It's just Vietnam era. But you can pretty much throw it into that category. But Apocalypse Now was a, uh, uh, what's his name? Francis Ford. Uh, um, Coppola? Uh, yeah, yeah. So he was the same guy, I think, that did the Godfather series, wasn't he? Yeah, and Brando was in that as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He. So it, I think you know it just goes with his style he, you know like martin scorsese you know they all have their own quentin tarantino they all have their own unique style of directing the and Palmer. their movies yeah 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 all those guys they're 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 man hats off to making some great cinema you know i, I uh, like uh del toro man he's my guy i like him benicio del toro yeah they're just grimy yeah. they, he's he cool. just he does like those uh what was that one he did? Uh, they're like grindhouse kind of movies that he did, like just a super gory and. Mm. Man, I don't know. Pretty sure that was him. Maybe I'm. I don't know. He did. Uh, Benicio del Toro. He was uh, Fear and Loathing Vegas with uh, Johnny Depp. He did uh, Traffic. He did uh, Sicario, which was a great, great movies. If anybody's ever seen those. We're thinking of, I'm thinking of Guillermo del Toro. 
Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Cause okay. Yeah. You, you might, I, maybe I screwed that one up. Yeah. He didn't do any of that stuff that I was talking about though. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, but Benicio del Toro, man, that he's a beast. <laughs> do you want to see my, do you want to see my knife, man? <laughs> yeah. I love him as uh Alejandro and Sicarios. Have you seen those movies? Uh-uh, man. Every time they're on, like whenever I'm scrolling, Oh, like man. I always stop and I like look at it and I watch the little trailer and I'm like, I should probably watch it, but I just don't, I don't know why. Dude, they are so good. And Josh Brolin, uh, co-stars in those movies. Oh man. I, I love them. It's both of them are great. I should definitely watch them then. Cause I'm like getting in, like I've researched the cartel and like that whole culture of like the, uh, whatever they could, the, I can't speak Spanish. So like how they worship those like the idols and like the the patron saint of like guns and like they create smuggling yeah yeah yeah. that's pretty cool man well i don't want wild yeah i don't want to say it's cool i'm not condoning any of that but it's it's very interesting for sure man just they like the whole culture of it the whole underground culture and man and i was listening uh it was mike black i think on joe joe rogan's podcast and at the cia cia guy and he was yeah. going in, and he was talking about how, like, <clears throat> like the Sinaloa cartel, uh, El Chapo and everything, the way they came in and won villagers over was they'd come in and they'd, uh, you know, uh, they would increase the infrastructure. They would fix roads, bridges, you know, provide water, plumbing, basic, basic infrastructure, build houses, you know, hospitals, put your grandkids through college. They really did a lot for the communities through drug money, but they still, they were like Robin Hood. You know, they were criminals, but they were taking care of the communities. They have this new generation. And I think back then, this is where they started. They came into America, a lot of those, the the cartels, and they were just offing. Like you remember back in, like, we don't remember it. We weren't adults, but you can look it up. Like gang violence was very prevalent in the late 80s, early 90s. Along come the Mexicans. Well, they just wiped out the American gangs, like they forced a lot of that them to like merge together or start, you know, at least cooperating the cartels. Cause they were just coming and they were taking over the drug trade with violent abandon. I mean, they were just, they're like, this is ours. Um, but they say like the scary thing is this new generation, the Jalisco new generation cartel. Cause they do the exact opposite of what El Chapo did. They go into these towns and they just, they cut people's heads off. Like the most, the leaders of the communities, they go in and cut their heads off and put them on a pike. They're like raiders, dude. Like yeah. from a post-apocalyptic movie, you would think like that's what the shit they're doing. Like, no, we're not coming in bringing lollipops and, and, and you know, candy and shit. We're coming in with AKs and, you know, machetes. It's just, it's wild. That whole, that whole culture. And I mean, even Colombia's, but Colombia, they wanted to be businessmen, you know? Right like the cocaine and that's where a lot of the cocaine trade they wanted to like they they thought they were ruthless don't get me wrong but they wanted to be more of like a legitimate business where the cartels they're ruthless dude they didn't care all right what else what else we got man well i think that's a we good on time yeah i mean we're good on time forever but i don't really know what all else we have the cover man we got about we got the news we got our saints uh i mean there was one article that you kind of left out and i'm gonna share a screen will found this article and where did you say you found it 
Uh, let me see. Give me one second to go back here and take a look. I'll pull it up. Uh, I found this article actually today, and it was originally posted on iflscience.com. And here is the article. Uh, headline, scientists were studying life on a new island. Then it disappeared. And it, it captions a quote, we didn't see what we were expecting. Um, maybe you want to go a little bit more on that. What did you find? Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna share my uh, screen just for reference. Whenever I look it up, uh, we, the whole name of the uh, island that they found, I'm not really gonna get into because I'm not gonna butcher it. But Hungatanga is an island here. You can see it's in the south uh, South Pacific, uh, close. If it's close to anything, I would say it's close to like Australia, New Zealand. Then you have like uh, the French Polynesian or the French, yeah, French Polynesian, Fiji, those islands that are kind of close to it. The American Samoa, Samoa, you can see here. But the article, more or less, like whenever I went to Google it, there was nothing about it. So it's kind of interesting to me. You have Tonga here that is like its own little. I mean, it, you can see if I zoom in closer, it's got resorts. You know, I'm sure people vacation there. Uh, there's some churches and stuff. So you look here, but then you go up here to Tonga. There's another Hunga Tonga. It's, it's a volcano. Yeah, but around right. this, they're saying they're frozen islands. I don't know about having a frozen island in the South Pacific there. And it just, it was interesting to me that, you know, the article was there and then it wasn't. So, I mean, well, is it something like... We I need was, to get I, no, I was able to grab it back. Um I actually was able to find it. So this was the original article was posted on January 27th of this year at 1128 a.m. Um, so I was able to find it. They didn't take it off. We thought they took it off. But when an underwater volcano erupted in 2015, it created a new island known as the Hunga Tonga Hunga Apai Island emerged from the ocean. It would live fast and die young with just a seven-year lifespan from emergence to submergence. But in those short few years, a team of scientists had to scan the novel island for signs of life. And a quote, these types of volcanic eruptions happen all over the world, but don't usually produce islands, said Nick Dragon, who is a CIRES PhD student who worked on the island. Uh, continuing quote, we had an incredibly unique opportunity. No one had ever comprehensively studied the microorganisms on this type of violent system at such an early stage before. Um, it just keeps going on and on and on. Um, I'm sure you, you can find the article itself, but, uh, it's just, it was interesting. So, uh, it looks like on January 15, 2022, had a blast so, so strong, this was the volcano itself, it had a blast so strong that it launched a colossal plume of water to a height of 53 kilometers, which is 33 miles. The eruption transferred roughly 146 kilograms of water into the stratosphere and destroyed the island that Dragon and his colleagues have been working on right up until the catastrophic event. So apparently this Honga Tonga volcano destroyed the island that they were looking at so now now that island that they were studying is no longer existing 
That's wild, dude. Could you imagine? Like, that's like if I don't know what they would what they say. I don't really follow it because I think that's a little bit of pseudoscience. I, I guess it eventually could happen, but like Yellowstone, like the geysers and everything. Yeah. Like if Yellowstone actually were to explode, like that's a massive explosion. You know, luckily it wasn't really relatively close. You know, looking at that map, it's not close to any really other huge body of land. But I mean, that's a massive eruption. That could that would have done some serious damage if it were like on a mainland continent, you know, by a little town or some, or not even a town, small cities, big cities, even that that would have hurt, man. But how is the did the island just disappear? That's something that I think. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep tabs on that the Hunga Tonga explosion, and because uh, that's that's pretty interesting. How does it just vanish like that? Yeah, There's a lot of shit that goes on in these oceans and stuff, man. We should get in touch with uh, Giorgio Sukalos. <laughs> Hell yeah! Some get to get the ancient astronaut theory on this and uh, see what he's got to say. <laughs> right. It was aliens. So, yeah, it's always aliens. <laughs> that was them blasting off. That wasn't. A, they told you it was a volcano eruption, but it was really the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I love ancient aliens, but some of it's a little bit out there. But this is interesting. Like, how does an island like it's formed and then it just disappears? I mean, unless there was another eruption, but they would have seen that if they're studying it. Well, you know, hopefully this is something maybe in future episodes we'll have a little bit more information for you guys on. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild, though. Like, and just to see, like, before, like, you, I Google Maps all the time. Like, when I'm bored, I'll just sit around and go crazy places on Google Maps and see, like, what road systems look like in India and shit. And it's just one of the weird things I do. I just, I do dumb shit sometimes. But I'm interested in seeing other parts of the world and parts that I'm probably never going to go to or parts that I really don't want to necessarily. Like, I don't have any dying urge to go to India. I'd like to see how they live. But like something like this, I've never seen because you have to zoom in so much just to see it because it's so small. And like that area of the Pacific Ocean is so tiny. And there's people out there that are probably like, I go to the Fiji islands all the time. So I knew it was there. I've always known about it. And you're miss you're giving misinformation about the South Pacific. And I'm going to label you a racist for that. <laughs> I don't know nothing about the South Pacific. That was why it was interesting to me. And I'm sure other people will find it interesting because we didn't know about it. Yeah. We're just I'm, curious. I'm not an expert. I didn't go to college. I barely graduated from high school. <laughs> they just gave me my diploma and was like, hey, we're glad to get him out of here. Yeah, right. <laughs> this dude's cutting class, walking out in the middle of classes. Yeah. Just, yeah. They were like, let's get rid of this guy. He's in there wild. Yeah, it was a wild time. But yeah, I think that's about it, man. I think we covered a, a fair share of topics. Pawn Stars was a classic as, man, that is, it, it's, that's a great segment, man. I love doing that one. That one's so much fun just for me. So I don't care what people think about it. I like doing it. We're going to continue doing it just because it's fun to do. I think we get some other scenarios too. Maybe. I mean, I always want to do pick your pawn stars, but man, let's see who would you rather be with 
out of the Breaking Bad cast or something, or the cast yeah. of Sons of Anarchy, do like a quick switch up, like a remix, still do Pawn Stars or do tagging along with Pawn Stars. Like you can pick two from a separate cast. Let's see. Hell yeah. We'll see what our audience thinks about that too. Like, and maybe we could get some submissions of like their favorite shows. And if we haven't seen them, we're, we love watching, you know, TV shows, especially like the reality shows like that. So if it's something we haven't heard of, I think our people should let us know. And if we haven't seen it before, we'll take a look at it. We'll take a gander and see, and maybe we'll uncover another classic, just like we're helping people find Pawn Stars. And, and furthermore, we, uh, we interact with any kind of feedback. So feel free to comment as much as you want, comment what you want. If you have any scenarios or any ideas for pick your pawn stars, we'd love to hear them. If you have any ideas for news topics for the week, we'd love to hear those too. Cause we love going in depth on the, you know, obscure news titles. So, uh, we're welcome and open to any feedback, hopefully as positive as possible, but we'll take what we can get. For sure. Definitely. Anything helps. We appreciate it. And we definitely appreciate you guys hopping on and watching another episode of the UC or UBEC podcast. I keep saying UC. I keep wanting to go with UC, but it's UBEC podcast. It's been the unholy brotherhood of the electric church uh, with me, Dustin and Will as a a co-host. We'll be back next Sunday. Check us out then, man. See y'all later.